of a war we ain't asked Transgression of progression of a war we ain't asked for. This madness, yo. All the things that we could talk about. Call it. But let's talk about these urban circumstances real quick. And basically it's the and um we got this. So revolution Muhammad is the famed name forever stand. Standing on royal, fusing of justice for the few, ridiculed by the pale terrorists, bent on genocidal obsession, rooted in fear of neglection and abandonment, fueled by nightmares of ancestors. Truth, because at the end of the day, I still want to be able to, to, I don't dislike George Washington. I don't friends. Friends. I think like, our friends should be like my friends. Voices. My friends are the kind of friends I think everyone needs. My friends see the things at times I don't see. My friends hate the police. child trying to see you, you gonna look, you gonna pick up that book, Lord keep me far from the space, guide me through night and day, teach me your ways, show me the righteous way to sway, Lord can you teach me please, show me the way, I'd say. Grand Risings, and welcome to another episode of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. Um, 
Hold on a minute. Let me get situated for a moment. So, Grand Risings, and welcome back to another season of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal. We're excited to have you join us on this journey of thoughtful discourse and community engagement. The Urban Conservative is proudly sponsored by the Leon Block Network, an organization committed to promoting transparency, truth, and accountability in our media landscape. Here at the Urban Conservative, our mission remains steadfast to bring you the latest news directly from the streets, addressing critical topics such as gun violence, crime, politics, and perhaps most importantly, exploring solutions to the profound challenges our communities face. As we embark on this third season, the focus is clear. It's time to actively contribute to the transformation of our communities for the better. How can we achieve this? The answer lies in a multifaceted approach that starts with reconnecting with our core family values, strengthening our sense of community is paramount, fostering bonds that transcend the barriers that often divide us. Moreover, it involves embracing our foundational roots, recognizing the historical and cultural threads that weave through the fabric of our very society. In this third season, we are calling for more than words. We seek action. It's a plea to move beyond mere rhetoric and engage in tangible, impactful initiatives that contribute to positive change. The time for empty words has passed. Now more than ever, we need to put our convictions into action, together united by a common purpose. We can make a substantial and lasting difference in the well-being of our communities. So let's ju so join us on this journey as we explore not only the challenges, but also the opportunities for growth and progress. Together, let's turn our shared vision for stronger, safer, and more connected communities into reality. Thank you for being a part of the Urban Conservative with Chaz Neal a platform dedicated to fostering change and making a positive impact on the world around us. Um, shut up and help. This morning, we all know that it's, it is all, it's, it's, it's Black History Month. And I wanted to, to talk about Black History Month. And I wanted to talk about where it came from, where did certain things, um, and so I, I decided to talk about Carter G. Woodson. And Carter G. Woodson is often held as the father of Black history. Profoundly influenced educational discourse with his seminal work, The Miseducation of the Negro, published in 1933. Woodson's book critically examines the systemic issues within the American educational system, asserting that it perpetuates a distorted understanding of African-American history and culture. Woodson contends that the education provided to Black individuals is mired in Eurocentric biases, fostering a sense of inferiority and reinforcing racial stereotypes. He argues that the curriculum neglects the significant contributions of African-Americans throughout history, thereby perpetuating a cycle of miseducation. Woodson emphasizes the importance of incorporating a more comprehensive and inclusive history that acknowledges the achievements and struggles of Black individuals. One key aspect of Woodson's argument is the detrimental impact of the omission of Black history from the curriculum on the self-esteem and aspirations of Black students. He maintains that this educational void hinders the development of a strong and positive racial identity. Furthermore, Woodson suggests that the miseducation of African-Americans 
contributes to the perpetuation of racial inequalities and the maintenance of the status quo. Woodson's work also underscores the need for Black individuals to take an active role in reclaiming and disseminating their own history. He advocates for the establishment of institutions and initiatives that celebrate and educate about Black achievements. Woodson urges a partigramship in, in the educational system, advocating for a more inclusive curriculum that acknowledges the richness and diversity of African-American experiences. In conclusion, Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the Negro is a seminal text that critiques the shortcomings of the American educational system and imparting a distorted understanding of Black history. His call for a more inclusive curriculum and the recognition of the contributions of African Americans remains relevant, prompting ongoing discussions about the need for comprehensive and equitable education. Um, I knew about Carter G. Woodson, and uh, I really didn't understand or really fully comprehend what his um, achievements and, and mark that he left on history. And as I've done, you know, research um, about my ancestors, about, you know, my skin folk, my kinfolk, you know, I've realized that a lot of things have changed over time, you know, and we were, we are uh led to believe certain things that aren't always true um or maybe you know a little white lie and I'm, I'm gonna call it a little white lie because they leave out certain parts they'll tell us that you know george washington um you know had teeth that were made but they actually weren't made they were teeth of slaves you know what i'm saying so there's there's a whole you know um when you look at history in the context, especially when it comes to, to black Americans, and then we come to 2024 and we see the things that are going on with immigration, with kind of feeling disfranchised, uh, kind of feel like we're being replaced um, and, and not understanding who we are as, as black people. Um, and, and where does that come from? And that's really what I really want to, to take this time today and discuss because uh, there's another Woodson that over the weekend or sometime this week, his name is Bob Woodson, uh, went on Fox and made a couple statements about black on black crime. So I kind of wanted to get into, and it made me think about, you know, it being Black History Month and really understanding the origins of codes, of the black codes, of, you know, because what we've been called over time has changed. I mean, just since I've been alive, you know, like I said, I was born in 77, I'm 46 years old. And just growing up and being, you know, that mulatto was okay to be called. You know, I used to be called mulatto. Uh, and now to come to find out that word isn't proper, that that word isn't, you know, uh, it's just like with the, with the whole thing of, you know, growing up in high school, you couldn't call nobody a he, she. And now that that's okay. You know, some people, so words change. And, and that's one thing that I, I literally, <laughs> I literally want to discuss today is about word change. Um, and that's what I, I believe that we have to educate each other is about words and and because words matter and 
Um, th that's another reason why I want to get into this as well is because for the simple fact of that we literally are in a cycle of not only an election, right? But here in Minnesota, today is February 2nd. Happy Groundhog's Day. Uh, but it's February 2nd, and in 10 days, our legislative session starts. I'm not hearing any talks about how we're going to help our poor communities, how we're going to educate our poor communities, how we're going to better our communities. I don't hear nothing about that. And again, that's something that I want to discuss today and what, you know, Bob um, Woodson brings up, you know, a, a point too is because we're coming into a, legis a legislative session and the bills that they're discussing are not things that I feel <laughs> that I feel are, are very, you know, um, helpful to us because they aim to push legislation through committees but hopefully potential hurdles exist. A coalition across the political spectrum, excluding liberals, could impact the outcome, not just beyond elections, um, because Maxine's waters call for Democrats to seize the GOP, a tactic with controversial roots. I want people to understand this, right? Because addressing concerns about replacement migration, the left dismissed it as baseless, while the right argue it targeted white people. But where do immigrants stand on reparations for American, for Africans descent of slavery reparations? Because it gained attention ahead of the 2020 elections. Distribution remains unclear. Skepticism surrounds officials discussing reparations as a tool for votes. The focus on the past raises questions when the present lacks health and safety assurances for black communities. Is reparation a wedged issue, diverting attention from investing in the black community? Even if reparations are legitimate from ADOS perspectives, there's suspicion of underlying agenda. The narrative shifts to central bank digital currencies tied to various digital records. Reparations, if real, might be contingent on embracing this digital landscape. The influx of immigrants is associated with support systems like credit cards and smartphones reportedly funded by USAID, UN, and NGOs. The education system and food shelves are impacted, raising questions about the source of increased demand and mid-job recovery. MDE, the Minnesota Department of Education, threatens striking for smaller class sizes further complicates the situation. Where are the kids coming from? Their parents. Predictions doubt support for ADOS reparations from this demographic, speculating potential consequences if they do align. The call isn't to view immigrants as enemies, but to redirect focus, targeting the support networks and entities that influenced immigration, along with addressing issues within the governments, NGOs, corporations, and banks involved, could be a strategic, strategic approach. Um, because I don't think people are, are are fully, you know, people talk and, and they, you know, they throw out these executive orders, they throw out these uh, legislation acts, but they don't ever get into the words. They don't ever get into the details. They don't ever get into the, the meat and potatoes of it. They always just want to give you the, the either the, 
the dessert or the appetizer. They don't ever want to give you everything that is involved in it because of the simple fact of the wordplay. And if we understood the wordplay, because right now, Black people, we're being called POC or we're being called BIPOC, all to literally throw us in with the immigrants. And, and I don't want to call them illegals. You know what I'm saying? Because I know that I've literally, I don't want to disrespect anybody. I don't, that's not my intention is, is to come on here and to, to talk bad about people, right? It definitely is not my, my intention, but we have to talk about it because at the end of the day, my people, my ancestors have literally fought to make amendments, to make sure that we had rights because when in 19, or not 19, 1876, right? Or 1776, whatever it was, right? No, I shouldn't say that because it, it does have a year, but 1776, Blacks didn't have rights in America, right? We didn't have rights until 1865 of when President Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation. Hmm. Right, no, and, and it is, they are illegal and, it, and it's no disrespect, it, it's, that's the one thing of like when we talk about words, right? And that's one thing that I want to get into because, you know, words have changed over time. That's why I brought up mulatto, because from my understanding of being called mulatto today, hmm, you get what I'm saying? No, we and, and that's I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, um, any type of form, you know, John, tell what I'm saying is that we literally have so much going on but yet our government and our elected officials seem to be doing more to replace the votes that they believe that they're missing so they go in there and lie and and, and do the wordplay because we're i see it in minneapolis i'm seeing it in chicago right oh, okay okay <laughs> i just maybe i'm reading the comments wrong that's the one thing of I don't get mad at Chicago or Minneapolis doing resolutions about Gaza and calling for a ceasefire. I don't, I'm not, I want them to care about humanity issues. I want them to care about inhumane issues, right? But we have a lot of inhumane issues going on in our own backyards. And I don't see them out here calling for ceasefires with these with these gangs and, and with the police because I don't see them calling out police when they just be shooting, especially when they go to the wrong house, right? Or I don't see them calling out the Philadelphia Police Department when they bombed the whole black neighborhood in Philadelphia. I don't see them apologizing for Black Wall Street. It, it's like, oh, we can get past it. No, we can't because it's not right. We still have people that feel the effects of everything that has gone on in history regardless if it's if, if it should tell slavery if it is the holocaust if it is um uh, uh, uh the, the bloody summer of 1919 we all have people that have gone through something because i just found out on christmas december 25th that i had an uncle that was executed not once but twice and he was wrongfully convicted so we all have marks in history that some of us maybe don't even understand or don't even know. But until we do that research, until we're educated, we'll never understand it. We'll never understand it. Um, 
but I wanted to, before I go on any, any, any further, um, I want to get in, I want to play two videos. One is, it's about Carter G. Woodson. It's not so much about Carter G., but it's more about the miseducation of the Negro. Um, so I wanted to play that so you guys get a better understanding of what I'm talking about and what, what Carter was talking about. Because I do feel like it plays out in today's times because we see it. I think Don Allen talks about it a lot. Richard Turner talks about it a lot. Uh, my brother Mark Oliver talks about it a lot. You know, Christopher, uh, Reverend Tim Christopher. There's a lot of people that talk about our education system and how wrong it is and how they leave out, you know, poor. And I know that, you know, predominantly I'm speaking about black because when you look at the disparities, and you look at the data and statistics because that doesn't lie. People can lie all day. Numbers don't lie. And that's where we see because when you look at the numbers, you have people that are graduating that are black that don't even have a third grade or even a fifth grade reading or math level, right? How are we letting people go on to succeed in life and they don't know how? They, they can't read. They can't even do basic math. So we really got to understand where we're going in, in, in life and understand that we're literally some of the things that we're doing are leaving people behind and they tell us that it's good. So let me get into the miseducation of the Negro. What's up, family? It is Caden with Urban Finance. And today we're going to be doing a review of the miseducation Woodson. If you haven't already please hit the like button and subscribe to our page. Just a little disclaimer, especially in our culture that is pretty PC right now. This content could be considered very provocative. So if you... Let's jump into it. According to Carter G. Woodson, while some people may try to point to rising education statistics to show advancement in the Black community, there's only one question which concerns us. Are these educated persons actually equipped to face the ordeals before them, or do they unconsciously contribute to their own undoing by perpetuating the regime of the oppressor? Highly educated Negroes denounce persons who advocate for the Negro a sort of education different in some respects from that now given to the white man. They are anxious to have everything that white people have even if it is hurtful. The so-called modern education, with all its defects, however, does others so much more good than it does the Negro, because it has been worked out in conformity to the needs of those who have enslaved and oppressed weaker people. For example, the philosophy and ethics resulting from our education system have justified slavery, segregation, and lynching. No system effort towards change has been possible because we are thought the same economics, history, philosophy, literature, and religion which has established the present code of morals the Negro mind has been brought under the control of his impressor. The problem of holding the Negro down therefore is easily solved. When you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and he will stay there. You do not need to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. In fact, 
if there is no back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. His education makes it necessary. If our education system isn't allowing our people to thrive in society, then we must come to the conclusion that it is a failure. There isn't one strategy that will fix our system, but we must be open to trying different forms of education because the current one is not working. The educated Negro have the attitude of contentment towards their own people because in their own schools and in their mixed schools, Negroes are thought to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, and to despise the African. In most of the Negro colleges and universities where Negroes are thought, the race is studied only as a problem or dismissed as of little consequences. In a Negro summer school, a white instructor gave a course on Negroes, using for his textbook a work which teaches that whites are superior to blacks. When asked by one of the students why he used such a textbook, the instructor replied that he wanted them to get that point of view. The thought of inferiority of the Negro is drilled into him in almost every class he enters and in almost every book he studies. To handicap a student by teaching him that his black face is a curse and that his struggle to change his condition is hopeless is the worst sort of lynching. It kills one aspiration and dooms him to vagabondage and crime. It is strange then that the friends of truth, those that promotes freedom, have not risen up against the present propaganda in the schools and crushed it. Even our most widely known scholars have been trained in universities outside of the South. Northern universities and Western institutions, however, have no time to deal with matters which concerns Black people. They must focus on the majority of their constituents, and too often they have stimulated their prejudice by referring to the Negro as unworthy of consideration. In schools of business administration, Negroes are trained exclusively in the psychology and economics of Wall Street and are therefore made to despise the opportunities to run ice wagons, push banana carts, and sell peanuts amongst their people. Foreigners who have not studied economics but who have studied Negroes take up these businesses and grow rich. Regardless of the type of study that the Negro takes up, it's usually something that he can't bring back and use within his community, trained to live paycheck to paycheck. Black people were given freedom from bondage, but remain in economic slavery. The school systems that were formed by those that held them in bondage were not supposed to help promote the race. At most, they were to be paid laborers for their former masters. While industrial education was a good idea in theory, many Negroes attended industrial schools, took training, received their diplomas, but few of them developed adequate efficiency to be able to do what they were supposedly trained to do. The schools for liberal arts education didn't do us much better either. The greatest indictment of the so-called educated Negro is their inability to make a living. What Negroes are now being taught does not bring their minds into harmony with a life as they most know it. When a Negro student works his way through college by polishing shoes, he does not think of making a special study of the science underlying the production and distribution of leather 
and its products that he may someday work or build in this sphere. The Negro boy sent to college by a mechanic seldom dream of learning mechanical engineering to build upon the foundation of his father that in years to come he may figure as a contractor or consulting engineer. The Negro girl who goes to college hardly wants to return to her mother if she's a washerwoman. But this girl should come back with sufficient knowledge of physics and chemistry and business administration to use alongside her mother to develop a modern steam laundry that will produce wealth for herself and her community. We have many examples of foreigners and white people who have gotten rich by developing on things that their community did. The problem is not necessarily the type of education that we see, whether it's a trade education or a liberal arts education or education in science. The problem for the Negro is that regardless of the education he received, he never fully thinks through how is he gonna make a living through that education. And that needs to be the focus. We need to focus on things that would allow us to earn an income from the education we receive. And if we do not see a path to earning a living wage from a specific form and type of education, then it's not an education that we should be pursuing. Okay, family, thank you for watching. This was a review, a very brief review of The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. Happy Black History Month. And please support this channel by hitting the like button and subscribe. So <clears throat> we just heard um, a, a, a lot. We just heard a, a bunch. We just got educated, right? And I sit here. And I, I hear that, right? Because what is our legislation making it easier to do, right? A nation of workers, not thinkers. Because we don't get paid to think. We get paid to work, right? Nobody cares about our, our, our thoughts. They do care about our thoughts, but they steal them. And then they use them to their advantage, right? That's what we go through. That was deep. And... and, and it, you know what? I, I want to take a minute here, right? Um, and and I'm gonna stop before we go into the second part of you know today's episode. And and Michael Holmes um, just became the Human Rights Commission uh, president. Uh, and and I wanted to announce that because uh, it recently just happened. Uh, and the fact that it's Black History Month, something that I think for me is really significant uh, in the Red Wing Minnesota history is that we actually have a Black man as a president. Uh, <laughs> and, and I know that people are like, okay, what does that have any... It's big because of the simple fact of that you have somebody who is for the people and has shown who is for the people and gets to to shift the human rights commission in, in a direction that i believe that it has never gone before uh, and i just really wanted to tell him congratulations not because i've done it privately but i wanted to do it publicly because we don't congratulate each other enough when we do um 
have opportunities and things thrown our way. So I really want to tell him congratulations and I hope and pray for the best and know that he has the best intentions, the best um, for blacks in, in, in Red Wing, Minnesota. And he shows that on a daily. So Michael Holmes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and if you guys don't follow Mike, please do. Uh, um, he's a great guy. The uh, Rude Boy Catering, Rude Boy Ribs, the man does it all, man. Uh, he works with the Black Student Union. He's with the Human Rights Commission in Red Wing, Minnesota. Uh, so please check him out. Check him out. Uh, and with that being said, we will be back here shortly. Small commercial break. It's divine, Marie. I am who? I am me. They really want to try to stop me. Remember, I can't be stopped. Flow like the wind. Slow like the wind. Breathe out. Breathe in. Stop projecting. It has nothing to do with me. It's you. When you begin to realize that most people are projecting, you won't take anything personal. We all been through some shit, but it's time to heal. Release. Let go. Heal. 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 Releasing shame. Releasing doubt. Spotify, please, 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 please do. Please do go follow Divine Marie, my sister from another mother with the Leon Block Independent Sounds. Uh, yeah, we do more than just media over here. Uh, you're so very welcome, Mike. And I didn't mean to, you know, make you tear up in the morning, but I just really wanted to give uh, credit when credit is due, my brother, because we don't do that enough as black men. We don't, you know, uplift each other and that shit goes a long way. It, it, it goes a very, very long way, man. And I just really want to give credit when credit is due because we don't uplift each other enough and we definitely need to start doing that more. Um, so again, today I wanted to get into talking about, you know, black, what black is. And I said, you know, we're talking about Carter G. Woodson, the, the father of black history, the maker of black history, what we know of to be black history. Also uh, wrote a book, The Miseducation of the Negro. But as well as we go into, because we're going to get into Bob Woodson, who is a, a suppose I've never heard of this guy. 
uh, until just this over the week, this this last couple of days. Uh, and I didn't know that he was a part of the NAACP, didn't know that he was a part of writing legislation. And it makes me wonder, like, why do we have these people talking for us when they don't understand our struggle, when they don't know where we come from? Because all because they have the same skin color? No. So Bob Woodson's uh, perspective on crime in black communities emphasizes a shift from a race-centric narrative to addressing broader issues of grace and morality. The discussion will cover the impact of defund the police movements, pitfalls of, of associating policy solely with white supremacy and the need for a holistic community-centered approach. Um, I also want to explore uh, Woodson's critique of progressive leaders, their alleged elitism and the Woodson Center strategy of empowering um, troubled youth. So I got this little clip that he was on uh, Fox News, I believe it is. And I just want to play it real quick. All right, I'm gonna start it over because like you guys can't see it. So here we go. We'll get better when we stop chasing this false narrative. We have a race problem in America. We have a grace problem in America. Whenever you're trying to cure a snake bite, you take some of the venom from the snake, right? To create the antivenom. Same principle here. You take kids from the same neighborhood, but who are, who become healing agents, put them into school, make them full-time employees. Then they become a part of the youth culture and they're able to redirect. It gives every young child in school a big brother or a big sister. So we need to stop again looking at it through the lens of race and tribalism and recognize that we have a moral and spiritual freefall that is consuming our young people in the inner cities it's homicides in wealthy suburban communities is suicide and low-income white communities is prescription drugs i think it's a directly related to progressive policies since george floyd and even before that um, so-called social justice warriors have declared war on the police. The black elected officials don't, can, does not have to take responsibility for why these problems persist even on their watch. Because they can say, oh, police are an extension of white supremacy, and therefore it puts the burden of changing it on the outside and it reflects, deflects attention away from their inadequacies or incompetence. Uh. So what do that? <laughs> um, I can't say that I I agree with him. Um, we know by legislation, we know by um, you know the words, the wordplay. Uh, because if that was, if it was all 
about morality and grace in our, our communities. I do believe to a degree that is part of it, but a lot of things have gone on because of progressive policies. You know, we've had the, the war on drugs, right? Which they claim was gonna clean up our neighborhoods, what was gonna clean up our communities, right? It didn't, it only made our communities worse, right? So then we've had the no child left behind in our education system, but yet they're leaving children behind. It, it, it's more like a, 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 a moxie, a oxymoron. And I don't know if I'm using the right word, but it's like, they'd sit there and tell you that no child left behind, but the legislation is actually leaving children behind, right? It's leaving them behind educationally. It's not leaving them behind grade level. It's leaving them behind brain-wise, right? Because they don't, the kids used to get picked on. I'll tell you right now, I used to get picked on because I, I got held back a grade. But I'll tell you right now though, I should have been held back more because I was nowhere, I'll tell you right now. And I've said this over and over again since, uh, you know, researching and and, and join, doing this movement because it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And what I've learned is I honestly, don't even believe I have a high school education. I can, I can barely, I, I couldn't even pronounce statistics to 2020. I had a hard time. I was in my forties, right? I couldn't even pronounce certain words. It, if it wasn't for John Tell, like literally, man, and, and, and honestly, John Tell, uh, I'm not, you know, Kent Logan is somebody that I would consider a mentor. And I know I haven't talked to him lately. I hope he's all good. Uh, but he is the one that really made me want to get self-educated because I knew I wasn't gonna, they weren't just gonna give it to me. I had to go out there and I can't even say search for it. I, I guess I did have to go search for it. And I'm glad that, you know, can't push the, you know, the, the city charters and the constitution and learning the statutes and about the data request and the Freedom of, of Information Act, because that has helped in, in, in so many numerous ways because I wouldn't be able to do the things that I've done, you know, and, I, and that's the crazy thing. I ain't never wanted credit for any of this. All I've ever wanted was to better my people so that we could live better. And that's always been because if, it, if this was about me, I would have, you know how much money I've had thrown at me? And I ain't took it. I have not took it because if I can't take everybody with me, I'm not going. I'm not. And that's the problem. We have too many people that are okay just taking the few they can and not everybody. Because I could have been took the money. If that's what this was all about for me, I could have been took the money, right? But if for me, it was to better my community where I was in Red Wing. So, I, I I authored a resolution proclaiming racism a public health crisis. Did that do anything? No, right? I was a part of writing and, and authoring and, and getting a, a, a rental licensing program passed in Red Wing, Minnesota. Did that help? No, because you know why? I wasn't educated enough. I, I still got played with the wordplay by my own people. By my own people. I literally worked with Andrea Jenkins and her team right and cano on that damn resolution 
And to see that it don't even help Minneapolis. So how the fuck was it going to help Red Wings? Right. It don't even help Minneapolis or Hennepin County where they have black leaders and don't even help. So how is it going to do anything in, in Red Wing, Minnesota with a bunch of white people where they've had all these other different committees, gear and, and so many other things and ain't shit changed? They just sweep it under the rug. So how how is shit gonna change? And that's why I'm glad again that Michael Holmes is the is the president of HRC because I'm hoping them things change, right? I'm hoping that the city council is is because they want they want to hold President Biden accountable. I, I know Janie and them are all oh we need to this immigration problem. I, I get the Republican talk around Red Wing, right? So if they're gonna want to be holding you know, the Democrats uh, uh, accountable for certain things that they want to hold Biden. Let's start holding ourselves accountable. Red Wing. Becky Norton. Evan the Kermit. Brown. Like, come on, let's hold ourselves accountable because I have not seen Red Wing hold themselves accountable. Not for Wigger days, not for Shaquita Heard. Right. They haven't held themselves accountable. They paid. But then when you ask questions, it starts to become a problem, right? And that's the problem. Because once you start to ask questions and you ask the wrong questions, it's not even about asking. Them. They are the right questions. It's to them. You're being too nosy or you just, why are you asking that? Why do you want to know that? Why do you want to know this? So I can educate. So I can understand what's going on, Right. And if people ask more questions, we would be in a way better predicament. A way better predicament if people ask questions instead of just looking the other way. Or just like, oh, it ain't none of my business. It should be your business if we literally have the homeless problem that we're having and they get more than enough money to fix it. Where is all that money going? Nobody's asking questions. We've seen we're feeding our future, right? Why is it such a bad thing to ask questions? Right? Why is transparency such a hard thing? That's one thing that I, I always ask myself, right? It's because everybody says they want the truth. A lot of motherfuckers, they don't want the truth because that truth hurt. The truth hurts to, and that's some real shit. I'll tell you right now that the truth would really honestly break a lot of relationships out of out here. And I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about marriages. I'm talking about the whole nine, right? Because people don't want the truth. They don't want that real. They want to continue living in that fantasy world that they're living in and to think that everything's okay. They don't care about what's going on at the Texas border. They don't. They don't care what's going on at the Canadian border. They don't care that we're we're in the midst of a, a potential civil war or even the fact of a, a world war that the Minnesota National Guard just sent 550 uh, Minnesota National Guard members to the Middle East for 10 months. Right? You see all these places having... What are the doomsday meals, doomsday kits? You see people building bunkers, right? 
but yet the legislation that I see aims to make it easier and not hold people accountable, not to hold people responsible for their actions. And I un I understand where where Bob Woodson is, is is talking about of nobody wants to hold our leaders accountable. But see, I don't call them leaders, right? Because they're not really they're not leading us. They're leading us to doom. They're leading us to trauma. Because we talk about defunding the police, right? Have we 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 haven't defunded them? We've given these motherfuckers raises. Right, right, uh, right. I don't see, and that's not another thing. Uh, but for real, they've literally, they've literally made made it to be where again a nation of workers and not thinkers because they don't want us thinking about the shit that's going on. They don't want us to see the things that they're doing, right? They don't want us to have the the the, the time to to read the legislation that has been because I'll tell you right now that shit is it's February 2nd, right? And that shit coming out in, in holes. The shit coming out and and I'm talking about the damn session ain't even started yet. And it's already coming out. Because let's see. Uh, let's see. So yeah, the Minnesota Democrats are pushing for more criminal justice reform, considering legislation to elimin eliminate mandatory sentences for felony gun possession and extend appeal windows, which I agree with some of that. Uh, the agenda includes banning low-level traffic stops. I agree with that. Enhancing police transparency. I agree with that. Possibly ending cash bail. Okay, depends on what crimes. Uh, building on last year's $880 million public safety bill. Uh, they will be also addressing Governor Wall's gun safety proposal. I may also resurface addressing age limits and magazine capacity. Uh, notable reforms from last year include red, red flag laws and a less punitive approach, allowing early release for prisoners participating in rehabilitation programs. Uh, this year's proposals cover limiting pretextual traffic stops, ending mandatory minimums for gun possession and increasing transparency in police coaching practices. Other crucial issues on the table involve third-party investigations of deadly force incidents, banning geofence warrants, restricting solitary confinement, and improving prison visitation. Furthermore, there's a move to make Minnesota a sanctuary state, prohibiting local law enforcement from collaborating with federal immigration authorities for deportation. Uh, these wordplay reforms aim to aim, again, is the key word, address systemic issues, reduce racial disparities, and enhance community safety. Do I believe any of that shit is going to work? Do I believe any of that shit is going to work? The trafficking stop stuff is because Minnesota defined petty misdemeanors as not a crime. It's all legal. No one has pushed misdemeanor equipment stops to the U.S. Supreme Court. Exactly. Exactly. But I just feel like with a lot of things that are going on too, it's gonna make it. I, I don't know. I I have 
you know, I sit in a a, a, a weird predicament, right? And I can't say that I'm sitting on the fence, but it's like, how can we prevent sex trafficking? How can we prevent gun violence without police right now, right? Because if, if, if the vision, if the mission, because this is a mission vision, right? This We're supposed to be on a mission with the vision, right? So if that's our mission and that's our vision is to have a world with no police, how do we get there, right? If it is to actually be to abolish the police, to abolish our prison system, how do we get there? Because that's what we need to be talking about. Instead of all this other hoopla, all this other rah-rah, how do we get there? Right. How do we get there? Because we're not going to we just can't get rid of police tomorrow and not have answers. Right. We can't have we can't we can't do it. We got to have some type of solutions. We got to have some kind of system in play. So what does that look like? I know a lot of people have talked about it. They talk about the defund the police. But what does it look like? It's just the same thing with black. Right. What is black? What is African-American? Because I see people out there consider themselves black. I see themselves consider themselves African-American. What is it? Because we're so divided. And and that's what, what really trips me out is about Black History Month is for the simple fact of I see more people that are African-American than black American being speakers. How can you talk about something that you know nothing about? And that's what what is Black History Month, right? That's what I really wanted to discuss. That's what I really want people to to look at this month. All 29 days, because it is a leap year. So all 29 is how, what is black history? What does black history look like, right? Because it isn't somebody that's only been over here for the last 20 years. That's not black history. They don't know black history, right? So what is it? What are we what are we teaching? Because I see a lot of people out here doing pan-Africanism. Not saying that that's not part of being black, right? It, it's a part of our history because you, you, you have to think about Marcus Garvey. You have to think about Malcolm X, right? You have to think about the Black Panthers when it comes to black power. So where does all that come from? They them people they can't teach that. Somebody that's only been over here 20 years can't teach that. They can teach it from an an indoctrinated point viewpoint, but they can't teach that shit from everyday life viewpoint because they haven't lived that life. Right? They haven't lived that same struggle. Maybe they lived it over in Africa or Jamaica, Haiti whatever and i say jamaica because of don samuels who calls himself black who calls himself black that's what trips me out and that's what makes me what is black what is black because if we literally got people out here that are jamaican that are calling themselves an african-american nigga where's the africa because you from jamaica my nigga that, that's what's crazy to me. How can a Jamaican be considered an African-American or even black because of his skin color? And I'm not, I'm, I'm it's just a simple question. People can hate on me all they want. It, it's just a simple question. 
of how can a Jamaican consider themselves an African-American? Simple question. Simple question, right? But no, let me stop before I get canceled. No, but for real, but I guess if, you know, we, we live in a society where, you know, I see people that can be a, go outside and be a dog, be a cat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it really ain't no, it ain't no different. So I guess a Jamaican American can be called a black American. I, I'm Okay. So do you consider yourself African American? That's a whole other topic, though. <laughs> no, but for real, though, I'm just saying, though, though, and you can jump in, bro. Jump in if you on uh, online. Jump on. You have you know how to get in here. Uh, I, that's I'm I'm serious though. Of how do you do you so you consider yourself black? But would you consider yourself an African American? See, I think that's something that we got, we need to get into is what is black? What is black, right? What is black? Because then I feel like you're taking away your, 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 your culture. You're taking away your ethnicity if we're just calling each other black, right? Because what does black look like? Because it's just like calling a person white. You're, you're forgetting about their, their roots. You're forgetting about that they came from Germany or they came from uh, uh, Ireland or Italy or uh, wherever white places are across Australia. Thank you. you Thank you for jumping. Brother. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Bet. Um, oh, let's so echo on a little bit. But... Oh, shit. Hold on one second. Because it's my audio. What about now? No, I don't think so. All right. No, you're good. All right, cool. So you have mentioned like Jamaicans. So Jamaicans specifically, because remember, Jamaica was ruled by the UK. And and this is not to come at other Jamaicans, because yes, a part of my heritage is Jamaican, part of my blood at least, right? But... I feel like Jamaicans have been immigrating to the United States for enough generations at this point that there is a significant population of people with Jamaican heritage, but have lived here in America for a number of generations. So they have been Americanized. So over time you have, okay. So someone like me, I am technically third generation Jamaican. So like even my grandmother, fourth generation Jamaican. So even my grandmother, like she doesn't consider herself Jamaican because she was raised as an American. So you got, you got three generations later. I don't consider myself African-American or Jamaican because there's nothing about my, my life, my family. We don't celebrate anything in Jamaican culture. We don't do any food or dishes. We don't have any language or cultural things that tie us to that uh, group of people. It's just in our blood. Just like African, West African, because that's where slaves were transported from and to here in America is 
it's in our DNA, it's in our blood, but it's not in our culture necessarily. There are aspects of it in our culture, but we've created a whole new culture of our own, which is why I, I, I personally identify as black. But when it comes to Jamaican specifically compared to other um, uh, African descended groups of peoples in the diaspora, I feel like Jamaicans are a bit of an exception when we talk about it because they started coming to America a lot sooner than like Ghanaians and Somalians and Haitians. Do you know what I mean? Like they're still a little more fresh. So where we have every right to say what we're talking about right now, but when it comes to Jamaicans, I feel like it is a little different because, and don't get me wrong. There are still a lot of Jamaicans coming here to America and still holding on very dearly to their culture. And I'm not mad at that, but I'm saying there are also a lot of Jamaicans that have Americanized themselves and so, like, I'm not picking at you, but, like, that little tidbit I did want to throw in for people because there are a lot of black people and people that identify as black that actually are Jamaican may not even know it. Like, I didn't. I didn't know right. that Jamaica was in my blood until about 2020. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't too. I just really wanted to get more into to context because I always give ashley's chick because she's like oh i'm white no you're not you say your 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 mom's side is from germany and your 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 dad's side is from israel i think i believe since he says jew uh <laughs> but it's like you know or even my mom who is uh swedish which is sweden and then the other part is from norway and you can literally tell that in my grandparents' maiden names, well, my grandma's maiden name, and his grandpa, who was a S-O-N, a son. So where does that come from? It comes from the Viking era, Viking times. Swedish. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know. I could be wrong. Let me stop yeah. talking about white history. No, you said it right. I, don't know about. You said I think it right. I said it right. All right. Yeah. Because it was all Leif Erikson. Yeah. So, but that's what I just want people to, because I think we get so caught up and people don't even fully understand where you come from. And if we don't understand where we come from, how the hell are we supposed to know where we're going? Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that's why for me, you know, and I've talked to this, you know, Reverend Tim Christopher is, you know, when I do my background search on my family, I don't see nothing beyond a number on my on my grand on my daddy's side it, there's a number you know what i'm saying in the book i that's that's not a my grandpa name yeah they say that they can trace back the breeds of horses hundreds and hundreds of years but they just wrote down numbers for us in a Mind lot of cases care. like yeah because they didn't care about our learning our lineage and yeah. that's one thing that i'm starting to realize is that they wanted us to forget where we came from yes precisely it, it was it's the same thing about i think about roots right and how um they tried to get kunta to to call himself toby, himself toby and he, right. kunta kente, kunta right. kente, and that you know what i'm saying like shit, they even chopped off part well i mean it was partly to do a running away too but you know that left now that i think about that it's like damn the whole time that was there was a message in there that they they were 
They wanted uh, people to forget where they came from. Imagine if uh, someone tried to air that in school today. Right, right, right. I, we were, oh, they we, we were showed that. We grew up watching that. We're showed watching that. Exactly. Yeah. I, they would fully, because you know what? I, I literally talked to kids, to people that, that some have never even seen that. And it's like, how have you not? You've seen. Bro, there's yeah. so many kids that don't know anything. They never heard of it. Don't know what it is. Right. I'll be making Chicken George uh, jokes all the time. And they'd be like, who? How the hell you know Chief Keith, but you don't know Chicken George? Right. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, you got enough. But you know you know Howard the Duck. But you don't know, you don't know who Malcolm X is. Right. <laughs> like, come on now. Or you know who Superman is, but you don't know who... Um, um, Martin Luther, well, not everybody should know who Martin Luther King is. Fuck, Dr. Sebi. Shit. Exactly. Oh, that good Anybody. point. Good yeah. point. Very good point. Shit, even with uh, Carter G. Woodson or Henry Box Brown. I didn't know nothing about Henry Box Brown just till yesterday. I didn't even know who that was. You know what? This is also one of my favorite times of the years. And, it, you know, it, I hate to say it that way. But um, just because we get to share stuff with folks and it's that time of year that they're actually like really, really Paying wanting attention. to receive it. Yeah. Right. Because right. everybody's talking about black history. Right. It doesn't matter if you're they're conservative. It don't matter if they're Republican. It don't matter if they're liberals or socialists. Everybody's talking about it because of the simple fact of we do. And, and, and that, that's the problem, though. We should be appreciated. Our ancestors should be appreciated and remembered every day and have focus on it instead of just one month. Mm -hmm. And that's what really bugs me because I know people talk about, you know, critical race theory and they talk about it as a course, as a curriculum. But I don't, to me, I look at critical race theory of what's already being taught in school of being critical of not teaching facts about certain things oh yeah they'll uplift white people but when it comes to black and brown you know they uh, prime example thanksgiving or christopher columbus mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying why is it that it's just now you have governments you have uh, people really speaking out about it and they still will to the grave these republicans that's a lie no, it's not. Stop it. Because Italians had that shit on lock. <laughs> you know what years. I'm saying? Like, damn. Or even the fact that, you know, they'll say that, oh, we didn't have nothing to do with, with, with slavery. Well, no, you didn't, but your people did. Mm -hmm. And we can prove it on paper. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, I don't, at the end of the day, I don't even be caring. All I want to do is actually when these people write stuff to actually mean the shit. Don't just be writing down it down because it's a feel good moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because mm -hmm. I get tired of that shit. I wanted to slap Governor Walls yesterday when he uh, um, proclaimed yesterday Minnesota Proclamation Black History Month in Minnesota. Nigga, it's, it's uh. like, come on, man. You oh, do this God. shit every year. Every year. You know what I'm saying? Every year. Like, I get so tired of that shit. 
Yeah. Like, stop coming. Nobody give a fuck. Go, go out to Sunfish Lake and do what you do, man. Like, shit. Have fun with that shit, bro. All right. It's Friday. I can't believe it. This week done flew by. It did. It sure did. Damn, this shit done flew by. It's a leap year right. this year. Agreed. No, definitely. Right. No, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But I know people definitely need to pay attention. And that's one of the reasons why I brought up the whole black thing is because you're literally going to see black being in the news a lot in the next couple months because we're going to be a hot talking point. We're going to be a hot talking point. Um, What do you mean? No, we're going to be a talking point because operations is, um, you know, out there. We're going to be because of the fact of immigration, um, the fact of, you know, you have some places that are trying to end the slavery cause and their mm-hmm. um, the slavery clause in their amendments. Um, you know, you have things that are going on in Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, with their legislation about, you know, inmates dying and uh, body parts being harvested or, you know, being buried behind police departments. So there's different things that are, you know, going on. And I want people to to pay attention and don't get deflected and distracted about other things because you got to worry about it's always good to care about what's going on everywhere. But let's take care of our backyards first, because how are we going to try to help other people and we can't even do nothing with our own backyard? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying asking people, don't, don't don't stop speaking out about Palestine. That's not what I'm saying. Don't stop speaking out about Gaza. Don't stop speaking out uh, about Yemen, uh, Venezuela, uh, Somalia, whatever it is, Ukraine. Don't stop speaking out about it. But just remember what also is going on in your own backyards, too, mm-hmm. because that's easier to fix of where we need to get our elected leaders because there's a bunch. Right. And we have to organize and strategize if we're going to fix things globally. We got to fix things locally first. I mean, I'm just being 100. How the Europeans came to America ain't that about a bitch. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I believe it. No, I, I believe it too. And but that's the type of shit that we we go through. But when you don't have that type of representation right. in, in the school, like in the school district, when you don't have employees that are black, who ain't nobody gonna speak up and be like, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. No, they just gonna do what they want to do. And they're going to do what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? But I guarantee it, though, if this was Native American month, that shit wouldn't be going on in Red Wing, Minnesota. I can tell you that right now. That's why Red Wing was one of the first to have uh, uh, Ingenuous Day instead of Christopher Columbus Day. Indigenous. Mm-hmm. Got you. Wow. Did I still wrong? Yeah. I probably did. 
but that's the state of Minnesota, their education system. Hmm. No, I'm just joking. No, I ain't, though. But I'm going to get up out of here, man. Um, I'll probably be back tomorrow at some point. Maybe yeah, we're going we're gonna to do another we're going to do another weekly wrap up. Yes, we do our weekend review. Word. So, I want to get into it because I want to talk with you more about uh, uh, Justin yeah. Moan. Oh, oh, yeah. Man. That mm-hmm. shit is. Yeah, we definitely can get into that because that's that that is mm-hmm. something wild. And I think there was a lot of information there that even with, you know, that he was talking about that people didn't understand or maybe yes. didn't even know yes. was, was in effect, you know, when it came yes. to the militia act. So, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't finish it. I couldn't fit it all into one episode. Right. And there was it stuff was that I felt like you especially would be able to touch on. So I definitely can't wait to, t- to talk to you about it tomorrow, man. Oh, sure. yeah, definitely. We're going to get into that. So y'all already know. That's John Tell right there. I'm going to let him get some final words in, and then y'all already know what it is. No word. Yeah. Uh, make sure y'all catch the Colonizer's Coffin, my new show. Uh, you can check it out. Any uh, past episodes on the YouTube channel, just go to the Leon Block channel on YouTube. But we're also on Facebook, X, and Twitch as well. Uh, make sure y'all follow, like, and subscribe to the Leon Block. Appreciate y'all, Chaz. You already know. Thank, thanks for jumping on, man. I appreciate the, you know, the the insight, the um, the good cop, bad cop, and it wasn't uh-huh. it, the truth is truth. You know what I'm saying? So right. we all live in our truths, and that's all we can live in. So always. With that being said, man, win or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, wish us well. Y'all have a great weekend, and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Very conservative.